everybody! Welcome to another episode, well, a bonus episode of the Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Ho, who is the millennial who is interested in anything and everything with regards to architecture. I know I'm supposed to be on a break, but we just kind of need to fit in this one tiny episode because we wanted to celebrate this time capsule that Diddy and I recorded exactly one year ago when this will be released, which yeah. I think it's next Friday. Yep. So for those who are new here or just haven't listened to all the episodes, which is completely fine, <laughs> uh, Dini and I, we first recorded, it was our sixth episode actually, we recorded about Dini's impressions of her first year in architecture school and we thought it would be nice to just look back at that one year because that one year has evidently changed our views and opinions yeah. I guess and Definitely. so we thought we'll just look back on it but before we start Dini I think because it is 2021 do you want to just quickly introduce yourself again <laughs> yeah sure hi I'm Dini I'm I just finished second year so I'm going to third year of architecture bachelor's I guess um, I don't know how else to, what else to say I guess oh you can talk about your artwork since I you're an artist you're a, yes I'm know. an inspiring artist yeah you're a fashion designer um, in a way yeah I'm, I'm interested in fashion I make some stuff at home I guess I'm not that I'd like to make more stuff but don't have enough time obviously yeah and I've, I've been working at an architecture firm over the last two summers and I'm studying and yeah I really like architecture and I'm looking forward to whatever the future holds for me when we first recorded I think it was just before you start a second year and evidently from the sounds between before and now we were really excited or at least we were so I was so hyper you were so energetic yeah you launched into the content without me being able to talk about the content yeah no sorry I was really hyper I think when when I like definitely last year when I first started architecture not last year what is it it's 2021 now so like 2019 I think I was just really everything's new everything's exciting you feel like, yeah, I, I get stuff. And um, we, were, we were having a conversation earlier about how, you know, there's this thing where you, you start to learn something new and you, you're really excited and you want to talk about it and you kind of feel like you know a lot of stuff and then you look back on it and you reflect and you kind of feel like, oh, you don't know that much yet. <laughs> you kind of take a bit more um, of a humble approach after that. I definitely feel that now. Like I'm realizing more and more as I'm going throughout this course and, and now working a bit that there's a lot more to architecture than what I originally thought. It's a bit like eating humble pie, if that is the correct saying, where yeah. like you're forced to realize that you only know so much because when you first get fed with all these fresh ideas, yeah. you're like taking it in, you're like, yeah, it's like, this is amazing. Yeah. And then you try to apply it everywhere. And then when you come back to it, I think like it's the interaction with those people who are quite new or those people who have, um, let's just say like, you're going to third year now, but then when you interact with mm -hmm. second years, they've only taken this much that you realize that gap or that distance between what you've absorbed in comparison to what they've still yeah. yet to absorb. Yeah, and obviously this is a design course. So yeah, when you start to look back on designing and, and first year, you realize it's very elementary. And fair enough, it has to be. You've come out mm. of high school, you just come out of something that's not to do with architecture usually and um, launched into very difficult not, not really job, but like project or, or assignment where you have to go and achieve all these things, but you don't have the experience or the um, necessarily the kind of 
idea sitting in the back of your head of how to achieve these things or how to do these things. So you have to really, I think that's what this course is to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, design this, this, and this so that you're achieving this end goal. But the difficulty is is obviously getting there. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you, what does your architecture contain that you can, that will make that outcome? For example, like last semester, I did this studio, a really great studio um, that was about myth and metaphor. And we use a lot of texts and a lot of writing to support our designs, but it was kind of creating, yeah, I guess like a myth or a metaphor. Um, and we had these underground tunnels underneath the CBD, some of which are real, some of which are fake. And then our final project out of that was um, to design a kind of multi-story tower in the CBD. So maybe like 10 stories. But then you want you want there to be a story about um, connected to this architecture, right? Or some sort mm-hmm. of narrative or meaning or something like that. And that seems really easy, but then you realize that you you have to, the you want the viewers or whoever it is experiencing the place or whoever it is you know in your crypt to understand that through the architecture and that's really hard and I think that's something I'm hoping to finesse in third year we'll see if you look back between what we recorded in our first episode like for you it was there was a lot of experimentation so you were thrown in first year you were literally thrown into things that you'd never thought you would do I think wasn't there like painting a cauliflower in Babylon Red (laughs) Uh, those balloon maquettes and like different types of models and hand drawing everything like these were all things that we kind of had that image ingrained into us because that was how media portrayed those architects mm-hmm. like in films still does till this day I think first year you have to unlearn stuff and then as you yeah. go throughout the rest of the course you have to relearn stuff so true because now I'm like oh I, I have to kind of bring it down a bit and make it a little bit more pragmatic in a sense and I think definitely working has has started to instill that more yeah I was going to ask like in comparison to working studying like how has your impressions shifted towards your own education as well perhaps to your work practice I think that definitely because I when I started architecture I didn't come from any background in the building industry like my grandfather's a civil structural engineer but that's that it like everyone else does something different so I was very new to all of this never really thought that much about architecture (laughs) I kind of like buildings hmm maybe I should do that so I came into a very open mind which I think we talked about last in the last year I, I feel like when you're in the bachelor's and when you're studying it for the first time, you know, just doing design, I got very carried away with the whole kind of glorious architecture narrative where like, look at all these yep. amazing architects, amazing buildings and crazy designs that you can do to <laughs> change the world. And like you can, but then I also realized at work, like there's just, there's a far more practical side to this whole industry that is more likely going to be your end goal. You'll be in an office like on Revit or something drawing up plans or something fairly <laughs> practical um like a a community center or something or someone's house they just want something that's gonna give them the facilities that they need have a long the lifetime of the building will be long all this kind of stuff like very durability yeah <laughs> yeah and we were just talking about louis khan early before recording this and i i really like louis khan stuff um mm-hmm. but he kind of creates this this kind of otherworldly atmosphere sometimes. Yeah. But at the same time, his architecture is still quite simple and it's not that um, 
I wouldn't say it's not like as a, as just a normal person in the public, they wouldn't find that too shocking or too offensive. Yeah. I think there's stuff like the you know the green blob in RMIT which people really detest. Um, things like that, like people people are too scared by that stuff. But I think Lee Khan's work is quite. There's something really attractive about it, but at the same time, it's it's approachable. Yeah, I, I think it's just mainly about whether you want the bells and whistles in your design, right? Yeah. Like, evidently, it comes down to this huge question or the big debate or the loaded question, as some people like to put it, is what do you think is a good design? Mm-hmm. Um, and accompanying that is, do you think just because you completed a brief makes it a good design? Because that was something that I was challenged with when I was in my master's. It was for a studio where we was hand drawing throughout. We were asked to create something that represents us like the very final piece. And I remember I'm thinking, I don't know whether I really want to showcase what my final piece is. This kind of sounds too, how do I say, it, a bit self-absorbed in a way because it's like asking you to design a monument of yourself that represents everything mm. you want. And I said that I think for me, I've always just prioritized making sure that the architecture is done to what the clients want. And then when I was given mm-hmm. that question, do you think that makes a good architecture? I'm like, maybe yes, but maybe no, because it's about, that balance between having your own artistic license if I can say that and adding on to what the clients want because mm-hmm. sometimes what the clients want may not necessarily be the best outcome I think it's because a constant push and like kind of push and pull with that oh yeah very true it's about whether they realize what they envision is sustainable well it's like you're an architect they're not an architect but then you're not the client and they're the client you're both valid it's just that you'll never unless because they're an architect too and you're also a client Mm. i mean unless it's like your own house or something like that it's hard to say using that as the main driving argument to like what is good architecture um Mm. i would also say like the the greater like implications on like the the city or the society or the country the culture I think also something I'm really interested in I think everyone's pretty interested in with architecture um and something that really caught my attention was the way that architecture can change or affect or decide what your culture is like like here in Australia we have quite generally quite the houses and the pieces of land are quite big the mm-hmm. way our design is quite spread out the roads mm-hmm. are quite big the way that we congregate with you know most people live in a city and then very few people live outside of that in more regional areas. So, and then the way that it's going to affect the way that you live, the way that you interact with people, the way your society is, the way that politics is, all this kind of stuff from something so simple as just like, I need a place to sleep. It's a combination of a lot of external factors. I think I've forgotten who spoke to me about, but our industry is quite economy and very social politically driven, if you think about it, right? Wait, you mean like here in Australia? Or- just saying, even in general. Like a friend of mine told me about how South Korea, apparently the government decided to build all of these high rises just to try Mm -hmm. and keep the housing prices down. So like that's Mm -hmm. architecture that has been catalyzed by a political Mm -hmm. issue, right? And then Mm -hmm. you've got for us, like Australia really was modeled because of cars. That's why our roads are this wide Mm -hmm. along. So that's kind of driven by a social factor to an extent. Mm -hmm. 
as well. Or socioeconomical because cars were becoming more affordable and accessible to everybody. So for me personally, if I look back at my studies, I start off with a very idealistic vision that I saw architecture more towards the arts area. But then when you, as you grow and then as you interact with different people who have very different points because they're so worldly you start to realize that you start to take in all these viewpoints and then your architecture journey shifts like I wanted to create a lot of art installations that was my end goal when I started in first second year but then after one of my big projects in second year I'm starting to be like hold up I really like community type work like I love civic projects I love Mm -hmm. things that are altruistic and such and therefore that has completely shifted my perception and my goals Mm -hmm. throughout so perhaps coming back to you because we've kind of went yes, off topic went here. We always do this. Going back to the main topic then. So in comparison to your first year and second year and now going to your third year, what do you think has been your major shifts and impressions? Because to add, since we reconnected per se two or three years ago, yeah. but like you, I also invited you to become like a guest crit on my students like when mm-hmm. I was still assisting studio like on my students works so how has that shifted in terms of your perspective like have you noticed your growth or like things you kind of wish you learned I think you know how you were saying about how in like second third year you wanted to do installations and that's where you thought you were going to go mm-hmm. that's that's what I had in my mind going into architecture like I had come from like doing um art in high school and all the way up through throughout high school it's something that's you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to become an artist. And then my parents, my mom was like, yeah, no, you got to be broke. But, you know, that, that was something that I just constantly want to come back to even now. But I'm starting to grow to love the other stuff about architecture. And as we just mentioned, like there's so many other things that it affects. In terms of like myself, in terms of like design and how I'm finding the course and comparatively in the different years, I think that in, in definitely the first year, I was very uh, idealistic and I've, I have like this weird thing where I get really into the task and I think it's a bit perfectionist, but I'm like, I've got to reach that kind of, you know, I've got to make the best design. I've got to, yeah, yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. And looking back on it, I realize like, it's okay if I'm not that good. If it's not mind-blowingly amazing, it's always nice if it's mind-blowingly amazing. But, of course. <laughs> but it's okay to just kind of go through the motions and not stress out too much about whether it's going to be brilliant or whether it's going to, you know, you're going to become the next, like, like, you know, Maya Lin. Oh, yeah. She yeah, was how she was just like a student and she like won that competition. Like, it's okay if you're not that. And like, definitely looking back at first year, I didn't know anything. I thought I did. I didn't know anything. Mm. Um, sorry about, sorry to my first year self, but I didn't know anything. And then <laughs> going through second year, I think I had a bit of a breakthrough in the second semester or second year. Because yeah. in first semester, it was still kind of like, how do I do that? Like, there's a thing as well, because I am i didn't come from a background in in any kind of building. Like, my background is maybe visual arts and um, textiles kind of uh, yeah. making stuff. That's my yeah. background. So I don't know what a standard door is and door, like dimensions are and all that kind of stuff. So you don't even, if you don't even know the basics, this is where I think working's really come in handy. Because mm-hmm. if you don't even know the basics in that kind of foundation and background and you're not familiar with that it's really hard to then start designing because like where do you start and that's always the hardest part it's like where do you start it's really easy to work with something you've already got so I think in second year I definitely made a breakthrough in the second semester because I started to be more confident in that and have a stronger foundation and also yeah. I think 
the text, like the sort of writing stuff that we did in that semester was really helpful for me because I could actually talk about stuff and use that as a vehicle. And that's where I had a bit of a mind blow moment because I had a really good mid-semester crit and I was feeling real happy after. I was really happy with my work and the crits were happy and my tutors were happy and I was like, yep, yep, I'm doing well. <laughs> so hopefully I have more of that next year or this year, whatever year it is. Let's say it's an ongoing thing where you just continually find your strengths, right? Yeah, but I, I also think that I'm realising the importance of, in a way, not craftsmanship, but just actually doing going through the motions and doing stuff so we I was just talking about you did a drawing studio like a hand drawing studio and I see the value in that because you actually get to do it hands-on there's something about learning by doing that we or I personally think we kind of lack now Mm -hmm. Um, you're just drawing stuff on Rhino you might do a bit of hand sketching but then you're just going to draw it on Rhino or you're going to do a render Mm -hmm. or something like that um that's why that's why I've been making a lot of clothes and and trying to design some stuff in terms of fashion and whatnot, because that's something I'm used to and I find really helpful in terms of thinking and, and making art and creating stuff. Also, because like definitely during the semester, I find that you can get really bogged down in like every day you're doing stuff for studio, one of your other subjects, and it just never, ever ends. And then you kind of run out of ideas. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to do stuff during the holidays or do stuff on the side, or I'm taking photos of things that look interesting as I'm walking around hopefully outside of lockdown yeah or like you know instagram i know people don't like instagram for this i know some tutors who really don't like kids who you know reference stuff on pinterest or instagram or whatever and to some extent, i agree but to a certain extent there's also a there's also a benefit in it but i won't get into that mm, i think like look you just need at the end of the day find what works for you because one person's opinion does not dictate how you should do your own work like I think when I first started university I was so honed up about you know they say if you if your tutor likes you you'll probably do a lot better and such and also your the impression and the personality your Mm -hmm. tutor has definitely plays an impact on whether you enjoy what you study right and so for me it was constantly listening 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 and do everything to the t as to what they say until Mm -hmm. one day they were suggesting oh yeah maybe you should do this something hold up that does not bring our design to justice and so I was very adamant in making sure that my vision would stay on course and try not to be swayed by them and then it was then I remember oh this is probably a bit of a bragging thing but like I remember at the end of a presentation, they came up, they said, you know what? You taught me about something. What you did was actually very good. And I remember just starting them thinking, oh God, this feels very weird. Like the tutor was like, you know what? It was good that you defied what I said. Long story short, we had to put one of the sculptures that we did into a landscape that reflects Mm -hmm. our sculpture. And for me personally, the main part of my sculpture was really the top and, and the bottom mm-hmm. end wasn't really that crucial. So what I did was tilt it sideways and embed it so that therefore the top end would actually integrate nicely mm-hmm. with the landscape. In terms of conversation, <laughs> I was going to say, it's interesting because I guess the yeah, question back to you is like, you've be, you've been a tutor, you've been a student. There's a thing where like, as a student, you rely upon your tutor, but to a certain extent and tutors, I think the tutors I've had definitely realized that there's only so much you can suggest to them. And mm-hmm. the rest of it's on the student because like you could be wrong as a tutor mm-hmm. or sometimes I've seen like other kids who've decided to do something maybe different to the the brief or whatever the tutor was mm-hmm. expecting you to do or wanted you to do, but it was a good thing and even the tutor liked it or, you know, it just kind of, they were kind of on their own 
journey. But there's that constant struggle almost where like how much do you give the student and how much does does the student have to follow what you said you know what I mean yeah I think like looking back at it okay there's a few things I would say like one I think I had to eat my own words a few times because when I first started tutoring right I Mm -hmm. came back was trying to look for work as well as just finished practicing at a firm and I remember a part of me was struggling so much while I was being an assistant tutor because part of me is thinking am I worthy of teaching somebody because back then if I look back to my past self I'd say like I really prefer if I could be taught by somebody who has industry experience or is still working in industry you have like a bit of imposter syndrome because you're like yeah it was I didn't realize it was imposter syndrome until people started giving me clear definitions because the whole time I think I associate the words like embarrassment and shame I felt very ashamed of myself too simply and and it becomes like you doubt your own advice Mm. And so that was really hard for me but then the more I taught like the more I realized for me I just see tutoring as an opportunity to share discussions and building a rapport with your students because at the end of the day in my opinion is as a tutor you are kind of a facilitator in their thoughts mm-hmm. so they have a thought that's already brilliant so how do you steer their direction so that you're giving them space to grow if they want to I think the hardest part was when I first started was the types of expectations I had because I was carrying on that expectation that all of us had when we were in first year back then in comparison to the expectations that they have of themselves now and so you've got this five-year gap and everybody's expectations drops or rises depending on what they want out of the studio right Mm -hmm. so that was kind of hard for me to accept and it got me to a few weeks later I remember what I just told myself at the end I'm like look you asked for what they wanted out of the semester from week one so maybe just work with that standard per student and so I remember sitting down final crits at the end of the day like I've already seen the students like they achieved what they wanted and some of them like their project too much that they don't want to change I'm just sitting back I'm like while I'm listening to the crits the guest crits they make fair comments about the work but part of me think well because they don't know them so well like if they don't know you personally, don't take it personal, right? That was something yeah. that I learned throughout my studies, that they've written down what they want to achieve and they actually display it and only my partner and I oh, can so you got them to do this. That? Yeah, that was really good. Because I, that was what I wanted. I'm like, I need you to help me help you, right? That's yeah. really important. And so, and then there were some students, I'm like, oh, they like their work too much. It's very hard to change. And I've been in that their position before. So yeah. I don't want to cause any tensions because let them learn their own lessons and let them reflect upon it. I think also when, you, when you're in that situation of you kind of don't want to change it, it, there's also sometimes a fear of like, if you change it, it might go downhill. I think for that student in particular, like there were many ways we could have improved it because there were a few things, but... I already told him at the end of lesson, like, you liked your project too much. And he was smiling so much because he knew I saw through him. But that's kind of also nice when you do like your project. Because sometimes if you hate your project, it, it, it can be such a um, hinder, hinder, like hindrance, sorry, I can't speak, hindrance. Because then you, you don't even want to see it. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to think about it. But then you have to, so you hate it. The only time I ever don't like a project was probably my third year final project. Oh, that's um, let's yeah that was a really hard year I think um 
it was just coming back with a very in a very bad timing so I just finished my winter intensive so I came back from Prado and for us we were because I was part of the a publications team so I was in charge of the layouts and such I did not realize mm-hmm. it was a lot of work until I started doing it oh my god and I didn't do what my other peers did where they extended their travels for me I'm like get me out of here I just want to get my sleeping times correct so went back to Hong Kong first visited my best friend make sure all my relatives are fine got my sleeping clock back so I wouldn't get my jet lag That's came really back cool. to Australia it's similar time to here anyhow so yeah, I was very burnt out and I was very emotionally drained. And then I had a little bit of friction with my tutor back in third year as well. So it was, oh uh, yeah, it's fine. He knows about this. And um, and yeah, I was very burnt out. And I, at that point, I think I was very close to f- wanting to drop out because I was just so frustrated wow. with everything. You were so close to finishing, man. I know, but it was just certain circumstances. That's why I said, like, who you work with makes a huge impact on whether you want to continue performance or not, right? And for me at that time, I was in a worse state of mind. And then they had a bit of a, like, they had their own personal conflicts as well. And so, therefore, it was just constant clashing. And so, like, looking back at all of these things, and then now when I'm a tutor, that's why for me, I'm very big about being empathetic and don't be egotistic. So as I was saying early on before we start this recording, like one of my biggest fears as a tutor is that I become that super arrogant know-it-all type of tutor that my mom hates back then mm-hmm. when I was in primary school. It's always like, you should be doing this. And then my argument is like, but my teacher said this. Another thing that I reflect on in the last few years, I realize sometimes when I get really excited about stuff, I like talk about a lot of things and I seem to know a lot, but I don't. And then I'm like, oh, I sound like a douchebag. I think the thing is, as long as you look back and reflect on things, because there's the difference of saying things and completely forgotten about forgetting about it. And there are things that, okay, my mom is very good at holding me accountable, which is a good and a bad thing mm-hmm. at the same time. And so because she talks about these things, it makes me reflect about my own actions a lot. So I think for the fact that the two of us reflect on things quite a fair bit, then it just makes us become a bit more self-aware. I think mm-hmm. that's the importance is that as long as you're self-aware and then constantly think back, not saying you should do it every day because then that ties everybody out. Much, right? yeah. That's completely fine. And it's okay to sound like you know everything because, again, that's what propels us to keep learning. That's important that we get really excited and share all these things. I still do this with my mom every day and good on her for putting me in my place from time to time I was gonna say like because I'm coming up to the end of my course like I realized I mean I should have gone and traveled and done stuff like I don't know anywhere now Um, like yeah because I kind of wanted to do an exchange or do a uh what do you call traveling studio somewhere at some Mm -hmm. point you know because then afterwards you're just gonna end up working and it's it's not as there's something about learning in a different place. And, and I guess connecting to that and going back to our other conversation about, um, I can't remember what it was about, but I was going to say that when you go overseas, like as a tourist, more often than not, you're looking things that are different or things that you're going there for. It's not just the people, but it's also the architecture. It's just makes me think about like the State Library and you always have so many tourists just walking to the State Library thinking it's going to be like some really cool, interesting building. And then they're just confronted with a bunch of people studying. Yeah. Like it being dead quiet. it's like that rose vision that everybody has right I think but then going on that point 
there's that difference between traveling as a tourist traveling Mm -hmm. as a student and traveling for work so like yeah as a kid when I went to when my dad took us on the Europe trip like I didn't think about that many things because I was still young and all I cared about was I kind of I just wasn't that interested in traveling diabolical thing for a millennial to say but traveling isn't always yeah, like a top I priority and now I'm like oh kind of kind of miss it <laughs> <laughs> what you can't um, have then you want Oh, I guess so. But then going, continuing on, like, but then when I went to London, like, because for the winter intensive one, I went to London, like, because probably I studied architecture. This is what happens when you get so engrossed in what you study, right? Like, I start noticing everything about the architecture. And so, like, when I went back, everything is so different to me, how I look at things. And it's the same when I start working in Hong Kong, when I went back on holidays to visit family and friends. I'm like, I knew I was going to come back home to a place where I'm comfortable. But then when I went back to work in Hong Kong, I'm like, all right, you've only got this many belongings. You're literally living out of a suitcase. This is what you have to work with. Yeah. And it completely shifts your whole mindset as well. So I don't know if you'll get the chance to. Who knows what's going to happen in the next two or three years, depending on what Mm -hmm. you decide for your architecture journey. But if you do get a chance to even travel, even in the state, like it makes a huge difference in the way you absorb things as well. And then when you start traveling by yourself as a tourist or with a group of friends, you'll start seeing things differently as well. And I think that's something that not many people touch on or talk about. So The other thing I wanted to say was I feel like I've never had to do a studio where the whole time or the final project was a group project. I'm kind of scared Mm. of doing that. Like... (laughs) I think just because, you know, working in groups, like even if you're good at it or not, like it's always a bit of a struggle mm. uh, just because different people, different brains, different thoughts, you're, you're going to be in different places as well. But I, I'm kind of like, oh, should I try to be better at working in groups? I'm not, I feel like every time I work in a group, I end up becoming the leader or something, or I have to, I get really hyper or something. I get really like into it. And I'm, I like want that HD and I, I'm like, yeah, let's hustle, let's hustle, let's hustle. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure if I want to do that. Again, it's with the standards, whether you're willing to compromise people's standards, yeah. compromise your own standards, or whether yeah. they're willing to compromise their standards, right? I did realize that the last time I worked in a group, I was like, oh, okay, I see. Like, we just both want different things. Wow, it's yeah. like, like a relationship. What? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's people, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, like I realized that what that other person or other people wanted to get out of it is different to what I wanted to get out of. And I think like the other thing is it makes, okay, going back to your work experience at the firm, right? It makes you think group work in a professional setting versus group work in uni are two completely different things. So different. But as somebody who has literally done group projects nonstop for four consecutive semesters or like three consecutive semesters it does tie you out because I think it depends on what role you're willing to take so for me personally I probably it's a very bad thing of mine back then but looking back I hated conflicts I really don't like confrontation so my role was to just make sure everybody's fine and I would just listen and do the work as delivered your sort of person is like you don't like confrontation but if you don't like it you're not going to take the crap yeah you know me well enough but for those back then like people were really over enthusiastic and then therefore like I just get 
um I just get talked over and top a lot it's not a bad like it is bad but at the same time I'm like it's just everybody was too enthusiastic mm-hmm. that I think I just got very worn down as well as probably I was dealing with a lot of confidence issues because yeah it took me until I finished my master's to do this but you really need to stop putting people on pedestals, if anything, to my letter to my past self. <laughs> letter to my past self is to stop putting everybody on a pedestal. And yeah. I kept doing that nonstop. And that is one of, I think it was the most detrimental thing I did to myself when I was in group work back in uni. I think when you do have a group setting, even two people, it's just an added element. Like not only are you doing the work, but there's an added element of having to coordinate stuff yeah and I think because okay in high school group work is fine because you'll always be in that same proximity but in uni your proximity enlarges completely and therefore it's really hard to coordinate all these things as well I think in high school you kind of know everyone to a certain extent Mm -hmm. and you're always in the same presence usually Mm -hmm. um Mm. definitely my high school experience everyone kind of knows each other no one has beef like not really yeah that is true and yeah, where else in, in university, everyone's kind of every man for himself. Not not extremely so, but it's like there's a lot more elbowing in a sense. There's a bit more. I, you'd say that the innocence has been lost in university to an extent. Yeah. Depend, or depending on the group of people you're with. Like I was very fortunate that my community of friends, like, like it's just we care about each other so much that we'll do our best. Evidently, we still look out for ourselves, but we're kind to everybody and we're respectful Mm -hmm. to everybody still and therefore it was fine but then again every year is it's a different result so we can't generalize that either because yeah I don't have a super strong group group of friends at uni and definitely with this last year being online it's been kind of hard to develop that Mm. I I am a bit like like I've got a few friends but I don't have like a solid solid consistent group of people who I can chat to all the time Mm. like a few people here and there and I tend to hang out with my high school friends more often than not outside of here so there is that thing where in a way it's kind of harder to talk about stuff whereas in high school like we just talk about whatever life yeah I think like looking back at the events of last year I think we can kind of silently grieve the opportunities that we've lost in terms of physical interaction oh as yeah. well I hope like right now as, as we're recording this we're in a five-day lockdown um mm. and I really hope that that doesn't affect going back to uni um like actual campus stuff because I I don't want to miss out on that and I don't want it to be like oh yeah two-thirds of my course was online yeah um, it's just not the same and it's definitely been I, I think we didn't get to talk about this but um, studying from home in the last year has been really it's been good and been bad like there are definitely perks to it like you don't have to always be on the train going mm-hmm. here and there running here and there you don't have to be printing out stuff um, yeah you can stay in your pajamas if you want <laughs> <laughs> but you're also on your own if you're doing anything by group work it's like over a video call or something but you never really get to meet the people if you don't know them already I definitely felt felt a bit bad for the first years because they had done almost the whole thing online Mm. and then I think first year was when you meet people you chat with people you learn random stuff like tricks of rhino like because you talk to someone in the corridor or you talk to someone in the computer lab or something you know you you 
it's all the the interactions that you miss out on but for me it was kind of good in that you have your one set workspace you're not always moving between uni and home you're not constantly mm. commuting so that was good it, it definitely helped me be more productive be more focused but at the same time you're you don't have a time limit I mean you don't really have a time limit anyway when you're at uni because our building's open 24 hours but yeah. like now you can literally sit in front of your computer like wake up sit in front of your computer eat go to the toilet maybe take a shower and you know re keep doing that cycle over and over and over again which is yeah good and bad because then when do you stop you know and then also you can't like you don't like the way you interact with your tutors or the way you interact with the 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 studio itself looking at studio it's not the same and it's kind of lacking it's um it makes you realize how interpersonal skills are so important in the physical realm like yes virtual stuff like evidently we've got all the social networks that we've got like we still have those interpersonal skills but it makes a huge difference when you see people face to face like mm-hmm. I think something that one of my tu- one of the tutors that I worked with last year she said that we're conditioned to learn physically mm-hmm. in this type of physical environment and like yeah it's amazing that everybody can adapt like really thankful that we're living in an age where technology is so accessible to everybody mm-hmm. but at the same time we're losing something that is very important to us and that is like how do you form really good connections with people beyond just the screen right we're trying to make things easier but in that we kind of lose out on things it's kind yeah. of like a hand um hand drawing studio just talking yeah. about. and definitely because because you're on like a video call and you can like show your screen sure you can show people what you're doing mm-hmm. but then you lose out on other stuff mm-hmm. um so that's been a bit of a struggle and i really really like touch wood cross my fingers all this stuff hope that like let's just have a nice at least one semester in person um already like half my classes online but like having studio in person would be nice yeah very true um, yeah the hands-on feeling is so important in our industry yeah. can't say that enough because we're building something physically like of course you need a bit of hands-on um there's a thing about scale like and because you're, you're going to, end of the day, you're going to, exp- you know, the idea, I mean, even though we're just doing drawings and like little models or whatever, you want to create the feeling of actually being in the space, right? Mm. And it's really hard to get that if you're not there. And, and sure, you'll never actually build it at one-to-one scale. Mm. But there's something about just being in a different environment, um, not being stuck in your house, actually getting to experience different things that you miss. And, and something that I've really missed, this is so bad, but going to like eat after class I was um at yeah. one point one semester we'd always like a couple of people in my studio and I would always go and like eat after class of like a five o'clock class like finished at five so we would go and eat dinner and stuff um it's nice yeah it's nice and you, you kind of just get to have a more informal conversation about how you're all going with your project and all that stuff and also during like the high tide of lockdown, like, you know, we're currently in stage four restrictions, but when stage four restrictions were on for a very long time, you're mm. stuck in your house with like maybe one hour or two hours outside of your compound, but you can't go and experience other spaces and other built environments. Mm. You know, it's mostly just outdoors, which, you know, it's built environment, but it's not like you get to go to an art gallery or something, or you get to wander down, um, 
a laneway or something like that. And and that's where mm-hmm. I get inspired or I kind of refresh myself a lot where I just walk around mm-hmm. like the city or something and I might take photos of like, oh, that's kind of interesting or that's nice or and go and archivize yeah. that. And I definitely found that frustrating because I had to just scroll through my gallery and I guess this <laughs> is where the, the Instagram thing comes in. Like you don't mm-hmm. have any other options, but then you never get to feel it in reality or you have to yeah. remember what it was like. It's not the same though. And like maybe if I can add, I think like to perhaps, I don't know when that conversation is going to get released, but like in another conversation I had with Jit from Join Interview, she, I, she asked me about like what makes a good student and I said like just being vulnerable to share your ideas. I think you'll kind of lose that openness, that type because like we're not seeing people physically mm-hmm. and it's very hard to read the room that yep. we kind of lose that sense of vulnerability definitely presenting skills yeah it's so true so kudos to everybody who's made it through last year oh yeah like studying online like Denny and I even to the students who we both looked at like we are so thankful and like really grateful that you guys shared your work with us because that's mm-hmm. what brightened up our days and I think that's what matters the most is as long as you're able to see growth like my friends and I were asking growth for hard work and we all agreed that growth is more important because there's hard work but if you're not working smart that's another yeah that, that's another something else I found is like sometimes I'll, I'll work really hard but it doesn't necessarily yield a good outcome or it's not very true it's not being productive like progressive mm. yeah growth I guess like um and sometimes it's something small that I did that actually has progressed like shown what do you call it? can't talk now like it's in that last semester I just did the second semester of second year I just kind of changed up the way I did things as a as a kind of test and I started to like some stuff and I I think I I'm good at I find my best work is when I really believe it so the stuff I was doing I was actually pretty happy with like I believe my own story if you don't if you're not this is what I mean by like if you are doing something that you don't like or you're not happy with your work it's just it's so hard especially to present and mm. talk about your work but you don't like mm. it you're not feeling it like it's it's never going to work like that you have to really for me at least I have to really believe it mm. um, that, that in turn inspires me to keep building on it and you know improve it but if I'm not convinced by it then I don't feel like convincing you either yeah well, good way to close off this segment before we go over time. But, yeah, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so same as last time, I think mm-hmm. maybe we, we've already addressed like a letter to our past selves like early on. Do you have mm-hmm. any, I don't know if we're going to be doing a third one or mm-hmm. maybe we'll do one when you go into master's. Who knows? Do you have anything else you'd like to say to Dinny in the next, who knows, six, seven, oh, six, eight? I think the last thing I said was like, um, don't forget why you wanted to do this course. Like, don't yeah. lose that. That um, very cool. <laughs> I don't think I have. I think it's changed a bit, but mm-hmm. it's become a little bit more solid. I think something similar. Like, don't get too bogged down in the whole. Is this just gonna be me in ten years in front of a computer drawing stuff on Reddit? Like. <laughs> there's lots of other cool stuff that I could do out there and, and just have fun while I'm doing it because it's not all doom and gloom and, and um, one track kind of pathway I think this is a very millennial thing where like you will have like five different career things in your life like 
career shifts or something in your life. As I was saying, like I, I make stuff, um, I don't know how to describe it, like I guess I design clothes. I, I would like to do more of that. Um, originally I wanted to do fashion design and then I thought, no, that's too competitive. I don't think I could handle it. <laughs> Ironically, I did architecture. Um, but yeah, I'd like to explore that more and I guess how that can come back into architecture. This I don't know if this will be included, but I wanted to do this studio called Soth that was looking at um, fashion and how certain designers construct stuff over the human form and relate that towards architecture. And I hope that runs again this semester, but um, yeah, just in my own personal interest, like I'd like to do that. Mm. Um, so I think that's a really interesting crossover. Yeah. Anyhow. Thanks, Denny. I'm so glad you're back here again. And thanks for putting up with the second recording. We were supposed to record today in person yeah. together until events of yesterday That's happened, which is, look, we had to do that. It was for the safety of everybody. And I completely understand that. Besides, it's only five days. Crossing my fingers, it's only yeah. five days. Yeah. So having said, once again, thank you. And I don't know if we'll be doing thanks another time capsule segment. But as always, please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, approach us on Instagram if you'd like which is Archimist and then making it all in one word and as we said last time you want me to link the Instagram to your studio that you did last yeah, semester yeah we right? did a your presentation yeah that was really good so I'll do all of that in the notes but in the meantime thanks for listening again stay safe and I don't know when I'll see you again but we'll see you soon <laughs> bye bye